Welcome to Telling It Like It Is. I'm your host, Matt the Godfather Ely. Feels good to be back. Sharing the airwaves today with Veronica Ely. I am back again this season. As well as Zara Vignola here for our second season. Yes, and I just want to note that this is the first episode where all three of us are on at the same time. It is, yeah. Man, what a year. What a year. So much happened since... So much has happened since the end of last season. And a lot to get started with. Like, we're just, you know, we're we're ready. We're happy to get back and tackle a lot of these uh, things that have been happening. It's funny. We were discussing, uh, you know, our segment BS Headlines. And we're like, uh, today we couldn't particularly pull one but i was like i see so many all the time um and what it led to was a discussion we were having about how i noticed that finally a lot of the headlines are starting to say opinion before them so that to distinguish the fact that a lot of these pieces are opinion pieces and um not facts (laughs) so that people know the difference and uh, I applaud the New York Times actually started doing that. And um, I think everybody's I think this should be a law. <laughs> this should be like a an Internet law. Well, it's hard because they credibility is very difficult to uh, discern on social media. So you can kind of look out for some red flag uh domain names. But unfortunately, there there are so many. So it's not a foolproof way of like, is this article real? But I mean, I think we talked about this last season. There usually are sources either linked within the text or at the end of it. But it's so much easier. You know what? I see people on Facebook who they share it and then someone comments like interacting with the piece they shared and the person says oh actually i haven't read it yet but uh, i just saw the headline <laughs> i'm like oh okay great so i think i might just uh like i can think of ones i've seen the bs headlines but i see like quite a few of them so it's hard to like recall like i'm like it's almost like there's too many floating around i thought you know what I, I, we should start. People should start emailing us be, your ideas for B. If you see a BS headline, email it to us. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from BS headlines, uh, something that's in the news a lot lately and a hot, a, a debated topic. Um, Trump had made you know a comment that MS thirteen was is a, the biggest threat to America is MS thirteen, and of course. Um, I I had shared a, a po- I saw a fr- actually uh, a friend um and a fellow another podcast host comedian Naruto Williams had posted a had made a status update asking how many of your family members have been killed by MS thirteen, and I got the point you know because the, the you know the overall threat or whatever. Uh, for them to say that um, um, MS-13 is the biggest threat to America is is almost uh, tragically laughable. 
considering there's so many other things that are much more. So I reshared the post and I was like, good question. And immediately I wake up and I see defensive comments like, why is everybody defending? Liberals are defending this game. And it makes me think of the post I've seen some of the right wing people um, in my friends list post showing pictures of MS-13 gang members and equating them with dreamers. And it just it, it, it brought up the the. The, the ongoing topic and thing that we discuss here with people, it's like willful ignorance. The wasn't defending MS-13. MS-13, you know, anybody who knows about them knows they're a dangerous street gang, uh, quote-unquote street gang, that has grown to insane numbers. They were started in prison in El Salvador, and then they, they expanded in the U.S. and grew to crazy numbers. But my personal belief is, like, take Brentwood, Long Island, for instance. Um... Brentwood is a place where the law enforcement there could wipe MS-13 out of that town in a matter of months with a few uh, law enforcement tactics, if they wanted to. But I, I, I don't think they want to because the machine, quote unquote, needs people like MS-13. They need them uh, for a no, number of reasons. A lot is, you know, what reasons to pay task well, force overtime reasons to ha make somebody the scapegoat and most importantly i say all that to say this the reason of the post and what the problem is is that as someone who works in the media has looked into the faces of the people targeted by ice not one of these people that i've encountered resembles anything close to a gang member a lot of them are tax-paying citizens they're students they're uh, people that received asylum um from the um oh my god i'm drawing a blank the act, Zara. From DACA. No, before DACA, the act uh, that we it's where we took refugees from El Salvador because of the conflicts that were happening there. Are you talking about their refugee status? Yeah. There was an actual act, and I'm As drawing an asylum? Yeah. Yeah. This is back from maybe Bush Senior era. era. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to repeal it now to send a lot of these people mm -hmm. back, deport them back to El Salvador. But... Nevertheless, the point is, is that they're using this threat of MS-13 and dangling it in front of people like, oh, my God, these dangerous people are a threat. They're the biggest threat to you. This is why we need to go out and harass every Salvadoran that we see it, to see if they're undocumented or not. And if they're undocumented, we got to get them out because MS-13 is a threat to you. Well, I think time and time again, that's been sort of like the tactic that Trump have been doing right between saying that Muslims are terrorists as if it's one particular group or same thing with ms-13 not to necessarily defend them i think that the issue is you made or he made a statement that was very very broad right to say oh ms-13 is the biggest you know whatever threat or problem in america when in fact of course there are other things that we can talk about which i think that's sort of like the tactic that he has along with you know other um people in the media just basically diverting or distracting us from focusing on other things. I think that's the biggest issue. It's not so much about let's defend MS-13. It's more of how do we sort of like shift and refocus on what really needs to be talked about. So I think um, that's the issue with the whole B, you know, BS headline. We can't really find BS headline because it's more of like what are the opinions of people and not labeling it as an opinion. So it's like you know, having that sort of disclaimer in the beginning before they can even talk about their entire um, article. Right, like, you can't just say something because you want it to be true. 
But unfortunately, our president does that. <laughs> like statistics will tell you that that statement isn't true. So, you know, you can you can look up the biggest threats of America. You're more, more likely to be killed by this, that or the other thing. Right. But unfortunately, um, you know, I think that our society is very just um, we consume information without without thought we don't filter we don't change you know especially if it's something that um makes us feel right or makes us feel comfortable not that that's a comforting thought but it's a comforting thought to think okay i'm my bias against a certain type of person is validated so um i think that that's i mean it's the same old song and dance for the last two years but um I sure wish our president would stop making statements like that without any sort of fact <laughs> basis behind yeah, it. I just wish he would stop making statements, period. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, good God, some of the things this guy said. Actually, I don't even care. It's like, I just, it, it's, to me, I just have to laugh at it because it's like, it's just tragically comical and so many people that, 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 you know, not to beat a dead horse, but it's part of why we exist and what this podcast is about. But the hypocrisy, like I saw it again today, like, oh, the, the the Trump and Obama comparison. And I'm just sitting here like, even if you didn't agree with all of Obama's policies, which I, I didn't agree with everything that he did. I mean, I don't think any you can ever agree with everything any president did. But I, I still it's no secret that I think he was a good president for the most part. Um but he wasn't a garbage person blatantly. <laughs> every, every all these accusations that he gets are like conspiracy. I'm like, there, there's no real proof. The way he treated, like, no one can submit any real evidence of Obama treating people badly. Of Obama saying bad things about people, you know, the way that you we, this guy does. This this countless. He's on Twitter just. Calling people names and insults anybody that does that that um, makes him mad and calls any news organization that reports something he doesn't like fake news. It's right. you know the but. name calling, like not just name calling, but like it's like based on appearance. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, what did he call that person fat? Like what? How is a very what <laughs> very middle school like. You know, like adults well, don't call other adults fat when they're mad at them. Like well, what? Yeah, I mean that's the <laughs> issue, right? Is that you? We, there is a president, right, in the United States that actually uh, validates all of this type of comments and type of conversation. And I think that's probably one of the issues. I mean, maybe that's our challenge of not even being able to find a BS at night because it's like just right there, right? Um, so yeah. Anyway. So moving into today's topic, which is somewhat related and is a huge uh, factor, I, I think, in today, like it's, it's American politics abroad and American society and how we move and operate. And I don't know, my opinion, part of what led to how we have Trump in the first place. And this is our discussion is identity politics or, um, as I may say, uh group thought or group think that I want to put in there. Um, the one plus one equals two. What is identity politics? Identity politics is a tendency for people of a particular religion, race, social background, etc., 
to form exclusive political alliances, moving away from traditional broad-based party politics. That is the black and white textbook definition of identity politics. Um, MDG says this. Um, I think that, like a lot of terms, what happens is the term identity politics has has been assigned to describe uh, different things in regards to the main definition. And so, in my opinion, you know, I think that identity politics and and when the the the, the I get I, I guess the the term itself was phrased uh, or coined in the in the 70s um when there was a lot of social justice movements happening it, it was a necessary thing to have identity politics when it comes to being able to identify wh- who the groups are that are being oppressed like you got to identify okay we are such as black or African African Americans or black Americans, um, for example, and and the many social justice injustices that happen towards them, you had to identify we, you know, as as black Americans or African Americans, this is what happens, or us as women, and what so often. That being said, I think what's dangerous and what has happened to this point is that the identity politics has turned into politics and you have this these general stigmas that are applied that i almost feel like instead of being inclusive and and being like this is about us being equal end up becoming more marginal like it's almost like self-marginalization and can be divisive in the sense of where you hear these broad-based um or group thought so like for instance it's funny because you hear people say like, "Well, identity politics is to pull us away from like the two par- like the two parties and think about what caters to us as Black Americans so far." However, what t- what what ended up becoming part of being a Black American identity politics is that Black people vote Democrat. Or that, and if you don't vote Democrat, then you're less Black. That's just for an example. But the parties actually use identity politics as a way or a tactic to continue to push on their own platform. So there are two things. One, is it about, so are these different groups or identity groups creating their groups because they are fighting for equality or something that they don't have? Or is it about pushing certain agenda and continue to actually use those divisions in order to push for certain platforms? And I think that's where we are today. Does it really... Does it really push for change in terms of people being accepted as their own group? Or does it continue to divide them because they will continue to use their own sort of identity issue as a forefront of, you know, the fight and the focus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is, um, you know, I I personally got sick of, I, I'm going to use Kanye West, this incident with Kanye recently, um, where... Kanye, who I think been losing his damn mind since he he uh, his mother died, and I think that played a big impact on it. But also, he's an artist, and artists tend to be a little can come across is weird. Most geniuses are, and 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 Kanye's a genius. Like he's not an idiot. He he's a genius. He's a musical genius. The stuff that he's accomplished. 
doesn't mean I agree with everything that he says, but once again, he's an artist. Like he's not, you know, it's not like he's, 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 uh, someone that we look to as a social rights activist or something. You know what I mean? So there's that aspect of it. But secondly, the way people jumped on him for the statement that he made, like, I think he, in my opinion, I think he misspoke by saying that because he didn't say his phrase. And this is where working in media comes into play. His phrase was not slavery was a choice, but that's what everybody keeps saying that he said. Now I've learned to do something that unfortunately the average person doesn't do. And that's to listen to the full context of what somebody's saying. He went out to try to explain what he was trying to say. And the comment that he made was for 400 years. That sounds like a choice to me. Now, I don't agree with that statement that slavery was choice, but in what he was trying to say, he made some valid points and he wasn't the first person to raise this discussion. Many of other black leaders and civil rights people throughout the years have raised it as far as mental enslavement and slave thoughts. For instance, Harriet Tubman saying she would have freed a thousand more slaves if only they knew they were slaves. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's a more complicated issue for people, for the other people that are like, yeah, how come they waited so long? Like, why did they wait so long? And, the, and they didn't, how come at some point they didn't say there's more of us than them? And Well, and they did, up? though. Well, they okay. did. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a second. I will add to that that there was many people, Nat Turner and, and other slaves who rebelled. Frederick Douglass rebelled. He, he was free because he fought. He beat up his, beat the shit out of his slave master and escaped. So there were people who did stand up and fight. But the thing that people need to take into consideration on that topic is the fact that, um, you know, when you're born into slavery, you don't know anything. You don't realize you're a slave. You're born and, you're, they, they, and they kept you from being educated and they kept you from, from, from knowing that this is something that you're not supposed to be. So it's not as simple as just being like, oh, why didn't they choose to be free? So that was foolish. But... To the broader point in identity, but now everybody banned Kanye. Let's delete all Kanye's music from your iTunes library. Right. Every we're, we we want to trade Kanye to the white, d- disown him from the black delegation and sell him to whites. Mm-hmm. And he's not, you know. And, and to me, this is what I mean. Where where I'm saying where I think that the identity politics or group play comes into thing. Like he's less black for making that statement. He's less black for any of you know. The, the make a great America mm. great again hat, which once again, I would never do that. Right. I'll mm. never support Trump and be like, you know, because for a bunch of reasons. But once again, he's an artist. There's no re And he kind of said, he's like, I didn't really think about it. I just kind of put it. He, he was trying to prove a point that he was sick of being told that if you that you have to behave, think or act or do this as an African-American. Right. Which I'm to me is more like. A combination of um, like almost like cut off your nose to spite your spite your face and privilege, because I think that Kanye may just be forgetting where he came from, because that kind of talk like the the, the things. Well, the, not to interrupt, but just point one thing is he didn't grow up. He, you know, he grew up rich. His fam, his parents were doctors. So Kanye, oh, Kanye's work. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't. He, yeah, he. Grew up, I did not know so that. Yeah, he always was economically privileged. That's why he dropped out. <laughs> yeah. He's a college. Oh, economy. I didn't know. I didn't know that at all. I, yeah. 
I must be so, make, I maybe I'm mixing up with somebody else, but um yeah, well then in that case it does explain why he's such a spoiled brat cuz he really <laughs> is. Um but um but he is an he, artist and he will call for the attention. He, he to me, is like a lot of the things he does and says are just, to me, shout like privilege. Like I, it, that's how, what I think. But, and then I also like when we, when you're talking about like you have to think this or believe this or whatever to be like a member of the black, you know, delegation that, that does turn a lot of black people away and uh, or just people of color and whatever and whichever um you know ethnicity it does turn them away it's like the kind of like running away from home like they're like well no i'm not i'm not gonna be like that you know i'm different you can't tell me um so it's kind of counterproductive to me to try and put people in these boxes because like nobody wants to be put in a box i mean i guess some people do but um it reminds me of like when on the other hand like the negative side of it when you people don't like to be told like black people don't like to be told that you're acting white like if you Mm -hmm. speak you know educated i think any group you know (laughs) (laughs) what are you implying right like or you know (laughs) if like i've gotten this multiple times i can't like country music like why Mm -hmm. you don't you like country music or people assume Invented country music, country music, right? <laughs> or they assume, like, you know, you probably listen to this, and I'm like, what? Like, in the yeah. what? Like, but, um, that kind of like it's just very, like, it's, I mean, it's ignorant. Like, you can't say that because the bottom line is, we, we know that your skin color has nothing to do with who, like, with your likes and like you know that's the same thing as saying that black people are genetically inferior to say that we are in any way genetically wired towards a certain thing is Mm -hmm. that's that's like eugenics like that's that's wrong so when we have these people who you know like this is what i believe and this is what i think is right for the for society so i'm Mm going to tell all black you know i'm going to shame black people into believing the same thing Mm -hmm. that you know that's why i feel like kanye is like no He's like, mm, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not that. And, you know? and that is, and I, and that's what I said. Though I don't agree right. with every approach he took to it, I get what he's saying. Right. And I'm not deleting his music from my library. I'm not deleting college drama. I can't believe I didn't know that about. I did not know. What? I'm not research. deleting them. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it explains a lot, man. I must. I don't know who I thought. Yeah. Must be someone else I list because I remember when Kanye was first. Uh, like getting big when he had his jaw wired shut. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know who there there must have been another artist in like in my I don't know, it was like yeah. nine or something. But I didn't know that. It's, and you know, it really explains you know the a funny lot. Thing <laughs> is, is that there's so many black actors and black wealthy people who supported Trump that don't get talked about because they just keeping their mouth shut. They're like, I'm not they're like, you know what, I'm not gonna jump on a soapbox and talk about it. And and I can respect that. I'm gonna disagree with you. I'm gonna have my opinions about it, but I'm not gonna call you less black. Right. Um yeah. I have friend I know people that were are, are people of color and black trucks Trump supporters, and I've said to them, you think it doesn't affect you right now. I think it's a little suckerish because I'm thinking you're you're supporting him because it doesn't affect you now. Because right. he's been very good about not targeting black people per se. He he's his focus has been on Muslims and immigrants. But the but in my opinion, I'm like, but who do you think he's coming for next? Right. <laughs> Once he gets rid right. of all of them. And and a lot of the things that he says, he's it's like towards poor people Dog too. Whistle. So it's like 
if you're a like wealthy or successful black person, you're like, no, like I, I'm not, you know, I worked for this. I'm not one of, you know, I'm not one of them. I'm not me. That's not me. So I'm one of the good ones. It's right. And yeah. I think that, um, that's just kind of like a character flaw that that's all I would not, not, a, not a, no, no, it is a character flaw. It's like, you're kind of, you know, you're a selfish person. Um, I wouldn't say that that person deserves to be you know publicly shamed it's like they're they're you know they're pricks all mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout all races yeah. it makes you like the the my thing with like when i i just don't get like i'm like how did like have you never like i just wonder what kind of like life they had that like maybe their maybe their experiences with racism weren't bad enough or maybe they weren't Maybe they lived in like you know got lucky like they just didn't you know none it of doesn't that, affect you know. a lot of times people just have a hard time adapting something if or em- even empathizing with something if it doesn't affect them right and, that's and it that's it is it's a lack nature. of empathy right well, because, it's nothing to do with yeah it, your race or anything it's just lack of empathy which you know if you're not going to empathize with um you know poor black people you're also probably not going to empathize with the person who broke down on the side of the road like you know it's just a lot la- you know that's just the type of person you are it doesn't can't you're not canceled it's like you're just like mm, well you know whatever <laughs> like that yeah. sucks not everyone's gonna care that's the thing there's you know how many people in this world not everybody is gonna care as much as you do yeah. and not to so hijack can- the conversation me and veronica are black americans so like obviously <laughs> these issues but zara you have a whole bunch of experience with this on so many levels and and that don't regard the to black politics but is relatable well the reality is this people will always speak on their experiences right so if you have to speak and say oh all black americans experience a, a b and c it's not true or all immigrants experience or see things this way it's not true because there is a privilege for every different groups mm-hmm. it's just how wide is that type of privilege that they do have the problem is when this country is built with really excluding different groups that's where the issue comes in Mm. and this is where the identity politics would come in because historically speaking you have different groups that do have to uh rightfully so um had to fight for being recognized as being whether it's being american or being lgbtq so like for example native americans weren't seen as americans for a long time right that took time for that to even occur or that women couldn't vote for a long time right um and even though quote unquote you have uh rights given or the amendments that were put in specifically for african-americans still wasn't in practice for a long time and this is why the 70s actually came up where the identity politics comes in right that even internationally speaking the blatant racism that was happening in this country with the killings of you know the black within the black community was so blatant the other countries knew about it and to the extent that you'll have in the vietnam war you actually have the viet congs using that against um against black and white soldiers who were part of that war because they knew that there was an identity issue and they knew there was racism that was you know happening because it was all over the media right and there, there was a need for different groups, or there is a need even to this very present day, there is a need for different groups to basically fight for their own rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, for a long time for, you know, for trans women to be seen as a woman, for example, right? Or same thing, you know, and vice versa. So I think that because this country is built with such 
exclusion at all times with different groups that it becomes easy to kind of, okay, let's play off the identity politics. Now what's happening today is when they start sort of dichotomizing or really breaking down into the smallest things. So even like the issue of cultural appropriation would come in, right? Mm. So how do you distinguish like, oh, well, so-and-so is wearing this, whereas like, that's not really the real issue that we should really talk about. There are other bigger things, like whether that be, you know, Black Lives Matter or all these other issues that really do exist politically. So I think that's where the problem comes in. And then a lot of times, all of these different groups will put their own fight in the forefront, not realizing that different groups or even individuals would have different privileges. So a wealthy, you know, African American wouldn't have the same experience as someone who's poor, obviously. And same thing with, you know, women or even within the gay community. If you are both gay and also a POC and also a woman, like all of those layers mm. would play in in your own experiences and what privilege may come or not come for you. So well, so I mean, I think that we can't we can't say that identity politics are not important or that they don't have a place. Um, I think it's just when they get taken too far or twisted. Um, but the, my thing is when we, uh, not, uh, if you criticize something like that too much, it, it's like, you know, identity does matter. You know, it does matter. Um, yeah. And your experiences, you know, as a person of color or as um, a gay person or as a Muslim, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, these little sections of people um, that definitely is going to have a significant effect on your, you know, your the things that people the things you experience, your opinions. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people have had similar, you know, you relate to someone else like, yes, that happened to me too. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, my family did this too. Or, you know, my friends growing up all, you know, I relate to you. I had the same types of feelings and insecurities in childhood or whatever. Um, So I, I think that to totally like, um, you know, through like throw them out is kind of like the equivalent of saying, well, you know, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Like, everyone's the same so it's like like no like that utopia you don't need to be colorblind to not be racist you know we can we can celebrate differences and and we can acknowledge them like you know you can't pretend like you don't know somebody's black like that's just silly um but um yeah i just think that when it gets to be like we are going to take something away from someone else or, or we like our group of people deserve something that other people don't or you know our political aim is to grant ourselves privileges that other people don't get or to like punish another group of people for whatever i, I that's when i'm that's when i think double, it, double standards start applying and and that's and and, and, and I, yeah add to that and that's that's where i, I agree with you um, it is important, like I said, or as, as I was pinpointing earlier, it is important to be able to identify who it is that's being oppressed and mm-hmm. how they're being oppressed. The problem is, like I said, when it becomes now, we're going to set these general stigmas for everybody who identifies as such, mm-hmm. such as, you know, because the reality is not all of everybody's affected the same way. Not all black Americans are affected the same way by racism. Not all white people ex- are benefit from white privilege the same way, even though it's a thing. There's so many different factors that come into play. Um, class 
I would say the biggest ism, and that's more powerful than any other ism, is classism. It just so happens that in America, unfortunately, for so long, because of of, of the way the media portrayed it for an agenda to help keep white supremacy a thing, the minds of people was made to equate black people with being poor. And, yeah. and it sucks mm-hmm. because even people of color do it with each other, and, and they don't even mean to do it. But like the assumption of like poverty. You said, if you yeah. see a black person, you assume, oh, you must listen to hip hop mm. or you must, or you came from the hood or you must <laughs> yeah. have came from the struggle or you came right. from. And it's funny because jokes among uh, other people of color that I know, they learn this and, and, and like use it to their advantage. It's a lot. There's an inside joke I have with a friend about black privilege. I'm like, you should make this a sketch. Where you get over on white liberals because you already know they don't even realize you're being racist because <laughs> they look at you like you're a victim. Mm-hmm. We know you came from a struggle, so but and and and, mm-hmm. and in your mind it's like you're making a lot of assumptions about me right now, and it's that aren't true, and it's kind of insulting. But you know what? Yeah. Let me just let me let me uh play off it. Well, it, I mean that our entire culture is framed around. Like, you know, the media, uh, like entertainment and everything, it's historically framed around black people being a certain type of caricature. And mm-hmm. even though we're even though they're not allowed to put black face on people anymore and they're not allowed to emphasize their facial features or make them into monkeys it's or anything like that, show, yeah. there are other ways um that media does it and that is the characters that yeah. you know and not just black people but you know b- latinos like people just people of color in general are all always cast into token positions and that seeps into you know that seeps into your mind and not just that but you know the the media coverage of certain things and um how positive um positive representations of people of color are often filtered out or and negative ones are pushed to the forefront. But um, I was uh, speaking of identity politics and other groups. I, I just thought of something. So I was with uh, a colleague of mine who's a gay man. And we were doing a story about the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And we were in a supermarket in the Upper East Side approaching people about Super Bowl. And we approached a gentleman who we asked, who, you know, what are your plans for the Super Bowl? And his response was, I don't watch football. I'm gay. <laughs> and my friend or co- colleague uh, and, and friend, I mean, I, I know him through work, good person. I, so I, I would call him a friend. He looked at me and I almost felt his pain a little bit because it made me think of what happens when it's black. He's like, what's that supposed to mean? I'm a yeah. football fan. I think about our gay uncle who is a football fan. Both gay uncles were football mm. fans. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like. To assume like, that all like, gay men. Like what? But, it, but it's yeah. because if you see how things were portrayed yeah. for so long, it's a, it, it is well, the identity politics are like if you're this, you can't care about this, or if you're this, you can't. Mm. You only care about this, and if you're this, then you have to be this, 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 and this. Yeah. And and and, and that's when I say, and that's what I mean about when it can become dangerous, because then it starts to go. Then you start to. It's like self marginalization, and then it becomes a us versus them type yeah. scenario and then anybody you start thinking that if you aren't what i am then you can't understand struggle so you don't understand my right, struggle that- and because you can't understand my struggle your privilege is benefits you more than any privilege i might have benefit me so 
And and, and then you, you have this like defensiveness that kicks Well, in. that's where the divisiveness comes in because then the argument would be, well, I think my own fight as, you know, I don't know, a woman or whatever is a lot, you know, is a lot more important than your fight kind of thing, right? And that's where the issue comes in because it is true. Like when you do watch, you know, I always test this out with my students. I'm like, imagine if this particular show, you know, does have different, like POCs as opposed to like an all white show, right? Um, how would it look like for you? And they can't necessarily sort of picture it. And even for me, I remember sitting down in my media class and I had to do that and picture, oh, okay, what if the faces of, you know, the characters in this particular show happen to be different? And it does have that sort of, um, it kind of triggers a certain thing because you're like, oh, wow, even for me, myself, I can't even picture having this different sort of uh, race or ethnicity within this particular mm -hmm. show, right? Um, and... Again, every single group has that. Like, who's going to be cast as someone who's a computer nerd? Who's going to be cast right. as someone who's going to be um, a football player mm -hmm. in a particular, you know, show or whatever? I think that's very, very common. But I think what people do forget, because of all of that being played out in the media, people do forget that each particular group does have, I mean, each particular individual do have different experiences and do have different privileges. And that's where the problem comes in, is that at the end of the day, the most oppressed, if we are going to look at the most oppressed, it's always going to come into the class issue. And I think, you know, Matt and I would usually have a conversation about that. I think many Americans forget that. Right, because your the perspective only stays here in the United States, but our concept of poverty here versus poverty in other countries mm -hmm. are so different, and it has its own um, sort of different impact. Like for example, for me being in an immigrant community, a lot of times they'll think, "Oh, all immigrants have this sort of same picture of crossing the borders, and that's the end of it." So everyone, all immigrants, should just fight for the same kind of rights, which is let's push for you know certain immigration reform. But it's not true because there are going to be some who do physically do have to cross borders and do have to be I don't know vendors or taxi drivers and whatnot. But then there are also some who do come in with such great you know, education level mm -hmm. that they will thrive no matter right. what and wherever they're going to be going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I think that uh, I, I don't, I feel like maybe it might come off. My, my final opinion is basically not to be, not to be so judgmental or put other people in boxes, but to also not discount the fact that like our identities do matter. Um, and my probably my biggest like piece of advice for like white listeners because I feel like a lot of my white friends are you know acquaintance acquaintances might find it offensive when we talk about race the way that we do you know mm -hmm. candidly um, and not just race but you know any other thing that defines people because um, that's what we do we define ourselves by our traits but um is that it's okay to be honest and you know it's okay to be frank mm -hmm. about race and the things that we experience in struggles like yeah it is a struggle but it's not it's not victim mentality it's right. just you know being like straight up like this is you know i was born into the body of a mixed race woman mm -hmm. so my experiences and my struggles and then the, and also the things that i'm passionate about are going to revolve around my life in that in that body so it's okay for me to talk about it and, and advocate for it but um it's not that I'm like you know I'm not trying to take away from anyone else and I and I've also learned um over the course of my life that I can't make anybody else do anything else just because they share the same 
uh, race and mm-hmm. uh, sex as I do. So I think there's a place for it, but I also think that there, it's a fine line that we walk. Okay. Well, that uh, we're going to have to wrap, bring this, our, our first episode of the second season to an end. But uh, yeah, I, I think we'll be do, we'll, we'll we'll be discussing this topic a lot more in future episodes, and um, yeah. So, thanks for joining us on telling it like it is. Oh yeah, thanks for coming back, or new listeners, welcome. We are on iTunes now. We were not on iTunes last season, so we are on iTunes and SoundCloud and the Fire and Squad Network, and we're working on I'm working getting on YouTube. Yeah, we're working on the uh, the uh, getting on the other uh, platforms. Um, we would love to hear your questions, concerns. Um, if you have any suggestions for topics for a show or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, you can find us at it's T-I-L-I truth radio at gmail.com. And you can also find us in Instagram as well as Twitter. Um, so please give us your feedback. We also have our own uh, Facebook page. So give us your, uh, your feedback. Let us know about our topic today or if you want us to expand on anything that we sort of touched on today. So... Yes, please do. Send us an email. Um, send us an email. Post on our wall. Follow us. Tell your friends. Oh, rate us on iTunes. Five stars would be great. Write a review. <laughs> <laughs> um, rate us on iTunes. Write a review. All that would be great. Um, you can also find me, Matt the Godfather. Follow me at M-A-T-D-A-G-O-D-F-A-T-H-A on Instagram and Twitter. Telling It Like It Is is produced by myself, Matt, the Godfather Ely, Zara Vignola, and Veronica Ely. Special thanks to Maddie Ely for handling our social media. We are not Democrats. We are not Republicans. We are not conservatives. We are not liberals. We are realists, and we are always telling it like it is.